Thank you for joining us today. We hope this teaching inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you tools for everyday life. We encourage you to visit us at mbcocala.com to discover more about the life-changing ministry at Meadowbrook, as well as convenient ways you can partner with us financially in helping people move from where they are to where God wants them to be. Enjoy the message. I know you just sat down, but we are in shape at Meadowbrook Church. That's right. That's right. We're working it. We're working it. When we do that up and down, hold your core, okay? And just, all right. Hey, let's lift our hands to the Lord. Let's, let's pray today. Father, thank you. Thank you for your goodness once again. Thank you that we could gather together like this. And I thank you for every person here today. Thank you for your faithfulness to them throughout this last week, your patience with us, your guidance, your help. I pray that you'd help us today to lift up our heads, to arise and to shine. And let the glory of God be seen upon us today. We cast off heaviness, darkness. We lift our hands to you and we declare that we are free in you. And he who the sun sets free, she who the sun sets free, is free indeed. So God, help us to see what you would have for us today. Speak to us. Give us light Give us information, holy information out of your word today that changes things and helps things and strengthens things. We're trusting you for that. Ask you to help me to deliver your word in the right way. We don't want to just gather together and have some religious whatever. God, we want, we want to hear from heaven today. And I just thank you, Lord, for all you're going to do in this time for each one. So I pray that when everything is said and done today, that you, Jesus the Lord of our life, the head over all things to this church. May you be pleased. May you be honored. And may these, your people, every single one of them be helped today. That's our prayer. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen and amen. How about a big welcome for our online and East Campus. God bless you guys. So glad you're with us. You may be seated. You may be seated. Well, we're beginning a brand new series today called What Happy Families Know. And uh, so we're going to dive right into this and we'll be on this for about five weeks or so. And um, so let's um, hold on tight. Let's go ahead and dive right into scripture in Isaiah chapter 32. The prophet writes, my people, go ahead and say that's me. My people will live in peaceful dwelling places in secure homes in undisturbed places of rest. And you say, that sounds nice, but it sounds nothing like my house. Okay. Uh, well, it's, it's, it's kind of an ideal picture of what God is wanting for us. I believe in our life, in our relationships, in our family and so forth. So we're talking about family. Let's kind of frame that for everybody because it, it probably looks different for everybody here. Okay. So maybe you're married and you have a couple of kids. Maybe you're married and you have too many kids. Uh, maybe uh, you, your kids are, are grown. Uh, maybe you're single. Maybe you're divorced. Maybe you're remarried. Maybe you have a blended family. Maybe you're widowed. 
Uh, maybe you say, I don't want any people in my life. Um, you know, what, what er, wherever you would be today, kind of frame that a little bit. Now, we're coming together as a church family to talk about family. And I believe this. I believe that every series that we do is actually a season. I believe it is a season where God is saying something to us as a church family. So right now we're in a season, a series, where I believe God is wanting to speak to all of us about family. So wherever that falls with you, okay, I want you to get just past you. I believe it will help you, but I also believe it will help you to help others. And so get all that you can. I believe it will speak to everybody, but it also will equip all of us so that we can be a, a help and to blessing, a blessing to people around us. We're going to share practical uh, principles, practices, and so forth. This is easily within reach of everybody to grasp, to understand, and to uh, apply into our lives. And I believe it's very, very important what we're going to be sharing. Let's, let's look at another passage here in Proverbs chapter 24. It says, through skillful and godly wisdom is a house, now watch this, parenthetically a life, a home, a family built. So let's go back. It's through skillful and godly wisdom that a life, a home, a family is built. And by understanding, it is established on a sound and good foundation. And by knowledge shall its chambers of every area be filled with all precious and pleasant riches. So what we have here is through wisdom, understanding, and knowledge that a life, a home, a family is built, established, and furnished. Just hold that in your thoughts. Look with me in Proverbs chapter 3. The Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the depths were broken up and clouds dropped down dew. So how God built, how he built, established, and furnished not only the world, the earth, but all the systems around it and beyond, he did it through wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. And those are the same things. Figure this out with me. If God can use his wisdom, understanding, and knowledge to create all that we see with these vast systems, do you think that if we apply those same things, it probably could help us at our address? I, I think so. I think so. So what is wisdom, understanding, and knowledge? And we're not going to go, uh, not going to spend all our time breaking that down, but let me just say this. You get information. Everybody say information. And then hopefully if you understand the information, then it becomes knowledge. And then if you properly use knowledge, that's wisdom. If it's information only and you don't understand it, you'll get a C minus in algebra. It's my personal testimony. Lots of information coming and coming. It's like, I'm lost. I'm lost. You know, and so it's not just information. It's coming to understand these things. So that's why we're teaching these things. And it can be knowledge and then you can apply it. And that makes you wise and you'll get the results of this. But God wants to help us in our life, in our homes, and in our families uh, so that we have things. Let me just boil this down. Wisdom, understanding, and knowledge is this. It's things that you can know and then apply. Things that you can know and apply, and this is what will make the difference, and this is what happy families know. So to use that phrase again, what happy families know, which is our our uh, 
title for this series. Uh, I'm going to do this over the next few weeks. I'm going to share with you things. I'm going to say it this way. Happy families know, and then I'm going to give you a, a principle or a practice on that, okay? So here's the first one. Happy families know no family is perfect. And some of y'all spent extra time getting ready, primping and so forth, so because you thought we had to be perfect today. We don't, we don't. Happy families know this. This kind of takes the pressure off. The happy families know that no family is perfect. Not mine, not yours, not theirs, despite appearances, despite what people put on social media. Despite family portraits, speaking of those, I want to show you a few family portraits, okay? Here's one from my family in 2003. Looks awesome. You have no idea how hard it was (laughs) to get this taken. Alicia's smile, look how pretty that is. She's actually not smiling. She's doing ventriloquism. She's actually threatening this guy, Joshua, because Josh, well, Josh is a super funny kid, but he was putting leaves and grass on Greta during the picture and kept getting caught and we had to retake and so forth. And so, uh, might look all together. There's a lot of pain in that picture right, right there. Fast forward a few years. And here we are, and we all went out to Shalom Park. First thing, Alicia bought me this sweater, and I hated this sweater, and I hated the way it fit me. And then if you look over here, we've got a grandson, Gavin. Gavin is done. He is just done. And then once again, Josh decides to separate himself from, from the group, and he thinks it's pretty funny. I do too. I do too. Well, after a while, you kind of wise up, you know, and so here's what we did this, this past year. Just everybody out in the front yard, we're going to take a picture and just, just do it as we are. And that's probably the best one I think we've ever taken, you know? So, so no family is perfect. But I think we can improve. We just finished a series on that, on doing and being better. And so I think there's some things that we can apply and learn here. Here's, here's the thing. We don't have to pretend. You don't have to pretend and act like you're perfect. You are free. Listen to me. You are free to deal with what there is. You know, there's a passage in the Old Testament that says, uh, denying a thing does not make that go away. And so just knowing, okay, hey, here's, here's where we are. Here's where, we're, where we are. We're not under the guise of being perfect, but we can continue to grow and, and make improvements in our families. Things can, be, can get better, and we can become a more and more happy family. Now, there is grace. What is grace? Grace is God's help. There is grace for every day, every person, and every situation that might come your way. So there's no perfect family, but there's plenty of grace to help us along. Now, in this series, we're going to, several times, we're going to drop off into some areas that might get a little, you know, might be uncomfortable for, for some folks here and there, depending on what your whole story is. 
And I just want to say this, okay? That's not even the purpose. You need to know this. I want everybody to look at me for this. This is not a house of condemnation. This is a house of grace. This is a house of truth. This is a house of love and healing and restoration. So get here, be here, stay here, and uh, let's receive all that God has for us because, hey, we're starting right out the blocks. No family is perfect. Amen. Here's the second one. Happy families know it requires effort. If you know that's true, say amen today. Okay. Um, W-O-R-K. It takes work. It takes work. Uh, It has amazed me over, over time. I've run into families or couples or whatever that they're having trouble. And a lot of times it's because one or more are not working. They're not putting out any effort uh, toward this. But family relationships, it takes effort. It takes attention. It requires some energy uh, directed in the right way. Ongoing and then sometimes extra. You know, there will be season that's going to require extra attention, extra energy, and so forth. And remember, we read out of Proverbs 24 that it's like building a house and furnishing a house. And so uh, following that metaphor of a house, well, you've got to build it. And then you know what you have to do? You have to keep it up. You have to maintain it. Sometimes you have to repair it. Sometimes you need to update some things. And so same is true of our relationships and our families. Not only do we have seasons of life, sometimes we have change, sometimes we have crisis, and it helps us to know and just to remind ourselves. You say, well, I already know this. No, we have to be reminded of this. And I think happy families know that it's going to require some effort. Here's the next one. Happy families know there is an enemy. Happy families know that there is an enemy. I think we should have a healthy awareness of this, though. I don't think we should be overly focused on this. Let me, let me draw a little uh, uh, clarity to this. There's a French poet, his name is Baudelaire, and he said this, the devil's best trick is to persuade you that he doesn't exist. C.S. Lewis said this, that our two great errors regarding the devil are, first of all, disbelief, or an excessive, unhealthy interest in the devil. So I think we should have a healthy awareness and not over-focus. So let me just say it to to you this way. There is an enemy, and family and relationships are a target. Okay? So bear that in mind. Let's, let's, Let's talk about this a little. The enemy can and does, you know, take a person out, get them off course, derail them somehow. And there will always, listen to me, no one lives in isolation. So what happens to one does impact others. Okay, but he's not just looking to derail one person. He's after the collateral damage and consequences that go with that. Shake your head if you know what I'm talking about. And so he, he doesn't, he's not satisfied just to derail one. He wants to destroy relationships and families because then the fallout is not just for a few weeks or a year. It's for decades. It's for generations. And we're dealing with, probably everybody here, you're dealing with some issues, some pain, some situations that aren't three weeks old. They're years old. They're decades old. You know, that we deal with those things. Ideally, that 
that multiplies the devil's efforts if he can destroy a family, if he can destroy relationships. And he makes family a target because if he does not, then you know what will happen? Then families start to become healthy and happy and godly. And out of that, they produce a brand of people that are happy and stable and fruitful and blessed. And the impact of that is not just for a week or two. That's for years. That's for decades. That's for generations. There's much to be said about generations and what happens within relationships and within families. Amen. Amen. So the enemy has what I call a strategy of disintegration. A strategy of disintegration. So this word alone, disintegrate, to integrate is to put together, to disintegrate is to separate the parts of. So think about that in a relationship. Think about that in a family. The the target is, can I, his strategy is, I want to separate you two, to get you, uh, or, or the family, to get you broken up. The word disintegrate means to separate the parts of, to reduce, to break up, to break down to destroy the cohesion. Jesus revealed the the devil in John chapter 10, verse 10, and he says the thief comes to what? Does anybody know? To steal, kill, and destroy. And he wants to do that not on an individual basis alone. He wants to do that corporately in relationships and in family. He's the father of lies. He's the author of confusion. He's the dealer of fear. And I am not one to compliment the devil, but we have to admit he's doing a pretty good job. So realizing this, happy families know this, we should know this. There is an enemy and family is a target. Relationships are a target. But look at me. But don't be afraid. Well, wait a minute, Pastor. You told me there's an enemy and we're the target. But don't be afraid. And I'll tell you why. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And you need to understand, amen, the devil cannot just overwhelm you. He cannot just overpower you. But you must have an awareness of this. 2 Corinthians 2.11 says that he can only take advantage of us if we're ignorant of his devices. So if we don't know what his strategy, if we don't know that he's going to throw that left hook, But if we do know he's going to throw that left hook, we're ready for it. We know how to counter it, how to dodge it or whatever. So I say to you again, there is an enemy. Family is a target. But don't be afraid. Just stay aware. And sometimes you just realize, you know, that, wow, there is an enemy and he is working against us. And he is working against our family. I'm careful to not give him too much credit because sometimes it's just you. doing dumb things, not doing the work, whatever it would be. Sometimes it is, it, is just, it is just us. But don't be afraid. Stay aware and listen to this. Don't cooperate. Just don't cooperate. Don't volunteer to bring junk into your house and strife into your house and cross the lines of anger and words and so forth. Don't volunteer for that. Amen. The book of James chapter 4 says this, submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he will what? He will flee. Will he come back? Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like raccoons at your trash can, okay? But it's like mosquitoes at the picnic. But we keep, we keep just 
chasing away. We do win. He cannot overpower you, but we must stay aware there is an enemy. There is an enemy. Don't give him place. Amen? All right. Two more real quick. Happy families know that what you know matters. What you know matters. We must be in the know. We must be growing. We must be learning. And there's a list of things there, but I want to start at the top of the list. Happy families know what you know matters, and here's what you need to know. You need to know God and his ways. You need to know God and his ways. Now, follow with me here. In Hosea chapter 4, verse 6, the prophet writes, my people are destroyed. What? My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. What you know matters. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because you have rejected knowledge. I'm going to pull some things out of this verse. Because you have rejected knowledge, I will also reject you from being priests for me. Because you have forgotten the law of your God, I will also forget your children. So there's a couple things here, okay? Without knowledge, to lack of knowledge, that's how destruction comes, okay? Sometimes there's a lack of knowledge because we have rejected knowledge, also, as this verse talks about, you forget the Lord of your, uh, the, the law of God. You forget the law of God. And what happens, it leaves your family, it leaves your children uncovered. So with all of that in mind, we do not want to forget, we must know God's law. Look with me in Proverbs 3. Are you still with me? Yes. Proverbs 3. My son, my daughter, do not forget my law. Okay, Hosea just spoke about this. Do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands for length of days and long life and peace they will add to you. I don't want length of days and long life if I can't have peace. That's called torture. Okay, so length of days, long life and peace they will add to you. Why? Because you remembered the law of God. So you can have a long peaceful, worthwhile life if you will remember the law of God. Destruction and problems come when we forget the law of our God. Now, follow this with me. If you reject, don't miss this. If you reject God in his ways, if you reject the law of God, if you forget the law of God, get this, you will replace the law of God. I'll say it again. If you reject the law of God, if you forget the law of God, you will replace the law of God with something in your life. Because everybody, say everybody, everybody lives, they have a grid, they have, a, they have standards, they have guidelines how they live. And if we reject God's way, God in his way, we will replace God's way with something else. And I just want to encourage you, don't trade the never-changing for the ever-changing. See, God and his ways never change, and there's good reason why they never change, because, that's, because it's right. No teacher called you to the desk and said, your answer's right, I want you to go back and change it. You know, the answer is right. God's way is right. So what do you change that to? So it's never changing. It's for sure. I'm thankful for that because then in a new year or new tax season or whatever else, you know, we don't, it's not changed on us. Oh, change that now. That was last year. No, God's law is forever settled. Don't change the 
the, don't trade the never changing for the ever changing that our world would suggest to us. And there's good reasons why it's ever changing because it doesn't work. It has partial truth, has partial this, but it's got gaping holes in it. And watch the pattern of life. Watch what happens in people's lives and families and relationships when we are void of the law of God. So what we have to be careful that we don't replace what God says. This is how to live. This is how to treat people. This is how to talk. This is how to think. This is how to steward. You don't replace that with something else because if you forget his law, you will end up replacing it. Look, look with me in Ephesians chapter 2 in the message. You let the world, which doesn't know the first thing about living, tell you how to live. I want to read that again. You let the world, which doesn't know the first thing about living, tell you how to live. You filled your lungs with polluted unbelief and then exhaled disobedience. See, sometimes people say, well, I, God and his ways, all that, that's so old-fashioned. It's really not old-fashioned. It's actually timeless. Well, it's religious. Maybe it was presented to you as religious, but it's actually life-giving. Well, it's, it's so rigid. Actually, it, it brings freedom to you. So listen to me, no matter where you're at, where you fall on all of this, you've got to know God and his ways. And sometimes God and his ways get presented in wrong ways. And sometimes they get modeled in wrong ways. This is what I would encourage you to do. Take a fresh look. Revisit God and his ways. And, and don't get caught up. Don't let the loudest voices in, in your life be the voices of the world. And, and have a fresh view and revisit God and his ways. I'm going to promise you that we're going to endeavor every time we're together and every function of Meadowbrook that we want to make sure that we're presenting to you in a clear way, in a life-giving way, God and his ways. Happy families know that what they, what they know matters, and the most important thing is to know God and his ways. Amen? Amen? I got one last one this morning. Happy families know to be Christ-centered which really is to put God first. And we could all say, amen, yes, amen, God in my life. Well, I want to I take this a little bit further and clear this up. It is a Christ-centered life. It is a Christ-centered home. We want to make sure that, that he is at the center, that he is on the throne of our hearts and in our minds. Boy, the church is quiet today. Look with me in Psalm 144, verse 15. Happy, happy are the people who what? Whose God is the Lord. That's who's happy. Happy are those whose God is the Lord. Happy families know to be Christ-centered and to put God first. Look with me in Psalm 34, verse 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good, blessed. It's the same Hebrew word here. Happy is the man, the woman who trusts in him. So listen to me. Get this, and I'm about to close. It's not just about having God in your life. Here's the problem, not God. It's your view of God. Let me ask you this. How big is your God? So if you just have God in my life and Christ at the center, no wonder you don't smile, you know? 
How big is your God? You need to have a view of God that he is great and he's big and he's wonderful. And get this, and there is nothing that he cannot do. There's nothing that he cannot help. There's nothing that he cannot fix. He is the greater one. He's the creator. He's the redeemer. He does all things well. He never has a bad day, never has a weak day. He's not like us. We're inconsistent and weak and moody and fearful and scattered. And and don't put him at your level. Look up to him. He is a great, big, wonderful creator, redeemer, God. And you you need to have a, a vivid faith in this God. I want to say it again, that there's nothing that he can't do. Nothing he can't help. Nothing he can't fix. And I don't care if he explains it to me or not. Because he's able to do things I could never understand. He's able to do things that we could never explain. And you need to have trust in that kind of God. And I'll tell you what, your happiness quotient will go way up because whatever's going on in family and finances in health in your mind in your heart in relationships and whatever you know hey i have a great big wonderful god who's able to take care of me get me through this work this out he is good he does good he works all things together for my good that kind of god That's who needs to be first in your life. That's who needs to be the center of your life. I think happy families are happy because they know they're connected and resourced from heaven. Might not be here, might not be there, but I am connected to and resourced by heaven. The Bible talks several places about a river that flows from the throne of God. And I just imagine that there's a river that flows from the throne of God and it makes its way to you. And flowing in that river is grace and peace and forgiveness and healing and help and restoration and strength. And all that you would need is flowing from him. Listen, there are some things that happy families know. And I am happy to share them with you. And I hope that you're happy to receive some of them as we start out today. Did you get anything at all out of, out of today's message? All right, good deal. Thanks again for listening to this message resource for Meadowbrook. You can stay connected by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at NBC Ocala.